This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. This is episode 146, entitled, The Appearance of Jesus to John in the Book of Revelation. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. We have been working through the Book of Revelation to see what it wants its readers to believe about the true God and about the Lamb. We have noticed in our previous episodes some significant themes that find their origins in earlier portions of the New Testament, namely that the Lord God remains distinct from Jesus Christ and that this Jesus has been deeply invested with God's authority, prerogatives, and privileges. The Jesus presented in the book of Revelation is a highly exalted figure. But Jesus still has a God above him, namely the Father. In this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, we will examine how John the Seer depicts the appearance of Jesus that took place on the island of Patmos many years ago. In particular, we will look at seven qualities of Jesus that John spells out for his readers. We will examine these traits from many different angles. From a scriptural angle, looking to see if the depiction draws upon former portrayals of revelatory figures within the Hebrew Bible and ancient Judaism. From a Jewish perspective, taking into account how these images would have sounded to those steeped in Jewish thought and theology, and from a Roman imperial perspective, noting the tendency of the Book of Revelation's theology to subvert the claims of Caesar on many occasions. Does John the Seer portray the appearance of Jesus Christ in a manner that is consistent with the rest of the New Testament? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is the appearance of the exalted Jesus to John the Seer. So I'll read a section of this particular passage, but as we move on through the episode, we will read more verses in this particular section. I'll start in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, 
and in the middle of the lampstands I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. That's Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. So we have a variety of characteristics of Jesus that are presented here. Jesus appearing to John on the island of Patmos, and we'll just go down the list, and we're going to talk about them. So the first thing that we see about Jesus is that he is specifically described as the Son of Man, and this is drawing on the Son of Man image from Daniel chapter 7, as well as alluding to Jewish theology. Let me bring to our memory the passage that this is drawing upon. This is Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, a extremely important passage for the theology of the book of Revelation and for Revelation's Christology. So Daniel 7, verse 13 says, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and kingship, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. That's Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And so this is the human being who is highly authorized by the Ancient of Days. As we saw in the Daniel 7 passage, God has given to the Son of Man God's own glory, dominion, and kingship. So, when we think of the Son of Man, we shouldn't simply think of a human being. Rather, we should think of a highly authorized human being who bears the prerogatives of God. This is no mere man that we are talking about. So it's very fascinating at the first thing that is said about Jesus as he appears to John is that he is this highly authorized and empowered human being. Whatever else is said about Jesus, we have to start with this basic point that he is a human being that is highly authorized, and highly exalted. Now, the Son of Man is described as wearing a long robe. What is the significance of a long robe? Well, within the Greco-Roman world, long robes were the attire of upper-class persons rather than the common folk. The common folk would be wearing tunics, but the upper-class persons would be wearing long robes. So it does say something about how John understood the importance of Jesus. Now the word translated into our English long robe from the Greek is povirys. And the noun povirys appears in the Septuagint 12 times. And in all of its occurrences... A podiris refers to the garb of a priest, a temple priest, often the high priest himself. 
And this fits well with Jesus' association with the seven lampstands that are clearly in the context. Because surely the temple priest would be in charge of trimming the lamps. So this point about the long robe being priestly garb is often missed by interpreters, especially when we have the evidence of Jesus standing among the priestly lampstands. More on the priestly associations later in this episode. So we have the Son of Man who is wearing a long robe, and he also has a golden sash. Now, the reference to Jesus having a golden sash is going to draw upon this very interesting passage from Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to continue to refer to this passage in Daniel chapter 10 because it's going to appear quite frequently within this episode and the appearance of Jesus to John in Revelation chapter 1 seems to be imitating the appearance of this revelatory figure to the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 10 in a very deliberate way. So let me read to you a little bit of Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 5. This is where we see Daniel the prophet say, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. That's Daniel chapter 10 and verse 5. Now, if we look further into this episode of Daniel chapter 10, there's some very interesting context regarding how this human revelatory figure interacted with Daniel. So let me read a little bit more about this, starting in verse 9, where the prophet says, But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground, then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken to this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid. That's Daniel chapter 10, verses 9 through 12. Now we take that thought, just hold that tight in your mind, and look at the interchange between Jesus and John the seer in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17, where John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. That's Revelation 117. So it's very clear that this episode of this unnamed human revelatory figure in Daniel chapter 10 that interacts with the prophet Daniel is drawn upon and used to frame the interaction with Jesus, the human revelatory figure, speaking to the prophet John. So it's very interesting. So we have all these descriptions of the Daniel chapter 10 incident that are being drawn upon to describe Jesus. And one of those is the golden sash. 
Okay, let's move on to our second point, which is looking at the hair and the eyes of the exalted Jesus. As we continue in the way that John the seer depicts Jesus, we can read in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 14 that his head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. That's Revelation chapter 1 verse 14. So let's talk here about the head and hair that are white. Now, the interesting thing here is that the primary person that is described as having white hair within Scripture is actually the Ancient of Days. Since we've already alluded to the Son of Man from Daniel chapter 7, it's very important to keep Daniel 7 in mind. And this is very interesting to see how an aspect of the Ancient of Days is being used to describe a human being, the Son of Man. But in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9, it says, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. That's Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. So it's very clear that the Ancient of Days is described as one with his hair, his head like pure wool, like white snow. But... We also know that angels were depicted within Judaism as having white hair, specifically in apocalyptic texts, which are relevant to us because Daniel is an apocalyptic text and the book of Revelation is an apocalyptic text. So angels are described as having white hair in 1 Enoch chapter 106 and in the Apocalypse of Abraham chapter 11. Now, in 1st Enoch chapter 106, we learn about the newborn son of Lamech, the Lamech from the book of Genesis, has the hair of his head like snow. And 1st Enoch 106 says that the son of Lamech looks like the children of the heavenly angels. So the depiction of one having white hair like snow is used of human beings and of angels within this particular Jewish apocalyptic text. It wasn't reserved for the Ancient of Days alone. I do want to take a slight detour and talk about the importance of the Apocalypse of Abraham that I just mentioned. This is a reference that's not very familiar with a lot of biblical Unitarians, and yet they should be familiar with the Apocalypse of Abraham. The Apocalypse of Abraham is a pseudonymous Jewish apocalypse written in the first century AD. Now, of course, Abraham didn't really write it. That's why it's pseudonymous. But within this work, we have a powerful angel depicted as a messenger of the heavenly secrets to Abraham. And the name of this angel is, get this, Yahoel. And this name means Yah is God. This is a very interesting theophoric name. 
Let me read to you a section of the Apocalypse of Abraham that describes this very important angel. So the angel speaks and says, quote, I am Yahoel, and I was called so by him who causes those with me on the seventh expanse on the ferment to shake a power through the medium of his ineffable name in me. I am the one who has been charged. It's Apocalypse of Abraham, chapter 10, verses 8 through 9. And this is extremely important because we could see that this angel who has the name Yah in his name and the name El in his name, and he specifically says that he has God's ineffable name in him, as in God has invested his own name into this particular angel. It's a very highly exalted and highly empowered angel. And the passage goes on a few verses later to describe the appearance of this angel, Yahuwah. So from the perspective of Abraham in this narrative, he says, I stood up and saw him who had taken my right hand and set me upon my feet. The appearance of his body was like sapphire and the aspect of his face was like chrysolite and the hair of his head like snow. Apocalypse of Abraham chapter 11 verses 1 through 2. So this is a remarkable parallel to the manner in which we see Jesus depicted in the book of Revelation. What we have are two first century apocalyptic works, both depicting authorized messengers that speak to a human prophet. These messengers are highly authorized revealers who are invested with God's own name and prerogatives. Furthermore, both the angel Yahuwah and the human Jesus are portrayed with the white hair that is formally associated with the description of the Ancient of Days. Since it would be foolish to confuse God with his authorized messenger, it seems the best explanation is to understand that the messenger in both of these apocalypses as bearing the resemblance of God's white hair precisely because they are authorized representatives of God, not because they are God. Now, on a more basic level, within the ancient Near East, describing someone, specifically a man with white hair, would indicate honor, respect, wisdom, and one with high social status. That's how the secular person would have understood a depiction of a man with white hair. So there's a lot we can learn about that particular description. And it's very interesting to point out that the white hair is formally associated with the Ancient of Days, but it has now been shared with the description of the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man also has eyes like the flame of fire. 
This again is drawing on our passage from Daniel chapter 10, where the human revelatory figure speaks to Daniel the prophet. Let's read some more of this passage, Daniel chapter 10. I'll start in verse 5, where Daniel says, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with the belt of pure gold of Ophaz. His body was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 6. So we can see there that the revelatory figure that spoke to Daniel had eyes like flaming torches. Now we've already discussed 1 Enoch chapter 106, where the newborn son of Lamech is portrayed, but he specifically has the eyes like the rays of the sun. And we're told that the son of Lamech looks like the children of the heavenly angels. So we have a human being who has the eyes like the rays of the sun, and we're told that angels also have the eyes like the rays of the sun within an apocalyptic work. Furthermore, in the pseudonymous Jewish work called Joseph and Asenath, we learn that the patriarch Jacob is described as having eyes flashing and darting lightning, which seems to be a fiery description of his eyes. You can read more about that in Joseph and Asenath, chapter 22 and verse 7. So we have a variety of Jewish sources that are depicting noteworthy human beings and even some angels as also having fiery type eyes. Now, looking at the Greco-Roman perspective, some of the prominent Roman emperors were portrayed as having eyes like fire. This is very interesting because the book of Revelation is written in the first century Greco-Roman world and trying to dissuade its original readers from accommodating with the Roman Empire and with imperial worship. So Domitian, the emperor who was reigning, likely during the time period when the book of Revelation was written in the late 90s, Domitian is said to have had a statue where his eyes light up like fire. And this is what the first century Latin poet Stadius says in his work Savari chapter 1 and verse 1. Now the Emperor Augustus is similarly described by the Latin historian Suetonius as having eyes of fire. That's in Suetonius's work Augustus chapter 79 verse 2. So it's probable that those who are familiar with the portrayals of fame and Roman emperors, both past and present, would have seen Jesus' description of having eyes like fire as subverting the role of imperial power. It takes away the authority given to the Roman emperors, and it gives it to Jesus instead. Let's move on to our third and final point, which is the feet and the voice of the exalted Jesus. We read in Revelation 1.15 that his feet were like 
burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Revelation 1.15. Let's talk here about his feet, the feet that are like burnished bronze. Now, a lot of people like to make an issue out of the bronze aspect of the feet, but to me, what seems to be the most interesting point is the fact that Jesus is barefoot. That is actually, to me, the most noteworthy aspect of this particular point. Yes, he has bronze-looking feet, but the very fact that you can see his feet, and he's not wearing shoes or he's not wearing sandals, is actually quite noteworthy. Now, if we look back on, again, our reference to Daniel chapter 10, where there is a human revelatory figure that is talking with the prophet Daniel, we can see a little bit more of this particular description, and we can solidify in our minds that Revelation chapter 1 is drawing on Daniel chapter 10 to depict the exalted Jesus appearing to John the prophet. So again, let me read this passage from Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 6. I lifted my eyes and looked. Behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure ufaz. His body was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. That's Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 through 6. Now it's noteworthy to point out that the priest of the temple, while having very specific clothing and attire worn during their cultic duties, did not have any specific footwear. The priestly temple workers did not have an assigned footwear. In fact, it is likely that they were barefoot in many of their duties because of the holiness of the temple complex. It's very common to take off one's shoes when they felt that they were in the sacred space within ancient Near Eastern cultures. And we also have indications that some Roman emperors were depicted as barefoot. And this actually appears to be some rare exceptions within the portrayals of imperial royalty that have survived to this day. The famous Prima Porta statue of Augustus represents the emperor as barefoot. And historians of Roman art describe barefoot persons as exhibiting the sphere of the divine. The Ravina reliefs also portray four members of the imperial family, which include Augustus, and all of these four members were barefoot. The Claudius statue that is located in the Vatican is also barefoot. So those original readers of the book of Revelation that were familiar with these rare depictions of Roman emperors as barefoot that are exhibiting the sphere of divine influence would have seen Jesus also as someone who was quite noteworthy. And lastly, we see Jesus, who has the voice that sounds like many waters. 
We've already noted that the messenger in Daniel chapter 10 has the words like the sound of a tumult. But there are other important references that indicate that God himself spoke with the sound of tumultuous waters. This shows up very specifically in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 2. This is an important passage for what we're looking at, so listen very carefully. Ezekiel 43 and verse 2 says, Behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the way of the east, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Ezekiel 43 verse 2. This is significant because we can see that it is, technically speaking, God's glory that is likened unto the sound of many waters. In Revelation chapter 1, we see Jesus speaking with the sound of many waters, but specifically it's Jesus as the Son of Man, who we know has been the beneficiary of God's glory, according to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14. Remember in Daniel 7:14, the Son of Man was given by God, God's own glory. In other words, God's glory is described as the sound of many waters, and God has shared this glory with the Son of Man. So now, Revelation portrays the Son of Man with the voice of the sound of many waters. Clearly, Jesus speaks with the sound of many waters because God has exalted Jesus and shared with him God's own glory. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the book of Revelation, to the surprise of no one, paints Jesus Christ with many symbolic images, descriptions, and signs in order to highlight his significance as the authorized revealer of God. John the seer was in a trance on a Sunday on the island of Patmos, and John witnessed a visible appearance of Jesus. And the manner in which John describes Jesus offers the readers much in the realm of Christological significance. First, John sees the Son of Man standing in the midst of the seven lampstands. It is noteworthy that the first thing said about Jesus Christ is that he is a member of the human race, specifically the Son of Man, who is a figure who has been highly exalted by God with God's own glory, kingship, and dominion. Whatever descriptions are to follow, they further modify this highly exalted human being. Second, John describes the attire of the human Jesus, namely that he wears a long robe. The imagery expressed in this type of clothing suggests noteworthy high-class persons, as well as the attire of the priest. These characteristics fit well in the context, since Jesus has been highly exalted and he functions in a mediating role between God and the seven churches. Third, 
John portrays the Son of Man wearing a gold belt, deliberately drawing upon the description of a former appearance in Daniel chapter 10, where a authorized human revealer appears to Daniel the prophet. If John saw himself as sitting in the place where Daniel was, listening to the words of the vision, then the Son of Man has now taken the place of the authorized agent who mediated the revelations to Daniel. Fourth, John describes the hair of the Son of Man as white, like white snow. This would bring to mind the descriptions of the Ancient of Days, who is likewise described. However, since the Ancient of Days has given to the Son of Man glory, kingship, and dominion, the description of the Son of Man with white hair is a characteristic derived from the Ancient of Days. It's unlikely that John the Seer intended to portray the Son of Man as the Ancient of Days himself. We found further confirmation of this conclusion in Jewish texts that portrayed noteworthy humans and even angels as having white hair. In particular, the angel Yahuel from the Apocalypse of Abraham, who bears God's authorized name, has the white hair associated with the Ancient of Days. And at a secular level, we observe that white hair portrayed a man with respect, honor, high social class, and even wisdom. Fifth, John notes that the eyes of the human Jesus are resembling flames of fire, which is a further connection with our human revealer that appeared to Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. On the Jewish side of things, noteworthy human beings, such as Lamech's son and Jacob the patriarch, were also envisioned as having eyes of fire. For the original readers of Revelation, deeply familiar with how the emperors of Rome, both past and present, were sometimes portrayed as having eyes of fire, they would have seen resemblance and likely a deliberate attempt to subvert the claims of Roman imperial power with the exalted status of this highly empowered human Jesus. Sixth, John points out that the Son of Man is barefoot, specifically having bare feet likened unto bronze. This again is a further comparison with the human revealer that appeared to the prophet Daniel, who also had bronze feet. Jewish readers would have likely picked up on the fact that the temple priest did not have any official footwear. So the representation of Jesus as being barefoot, in addition to being situated in the midst of the temple lampstands and wearing a covering, that is a technical Greek word for the priestly attire, very likely indicated that Jesus is being presented as a priest, something that we typically get from the book of Hebrews. On the Roman side of things, many of the artistic impressions of glorified emperors 
were portrayed as barefoot. By describing the exalted, empowered human Jesus in similar ways, the reader would probably detect deliberate attempts to subvert the claims of Roman imperial power conferred upon these various emperors. Lastly, John the Seer describes the voice of the Son of Man as sounding like a tumult of waters. While this clearly draws on the voice of the human messenger that spoke with Daniel the prophet, it is also a characteristic of the Lord God. The prophet Ezekiel likens the voice of many waters with the glory of God. And since the Son of Man is the recipient of God sharing his own glory, this suggests that the voice of many waters is a derived trait. In sum, the appearance of Jesus to John the seer displays the Son of Man firmly within a high human Christology. Jesus has been exalted and invested with many of God's attributes and qualities. Jesus also exhibits priestly functions, and further aspects of his portrayal would have subverted many of the claims of the Roman emperors. The appearance of Jesus to John the Seer is rich, multivalent, and a testament to what God can do with a highly authorized member of the human race. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Join us next week as we continue to look at how the book of Revelation portrays the risen Jesus, specifically the way that Jesus is depicted in the letters to the seven Asian churches. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You can support our podcast for free by sharing your favorite episodes and by writing an honest review on iTunes. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you may check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. I want to offer an exceptional thanks to Dustin Williams for post-production and for editing the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Williams. My name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, you folks, take care and be safe.